Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Um, I'm not sure why you're here this morning. I don't know whether you uh, come... Some of you, I can recognise faces and some of you come regularly and I don't know why you're watching online today. Um, but I want to just share something that I believe is really, really important. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you've been through, what you're going through, the highs and lows of your life. Um, uh, but today, I want to help you. I'm here to help you get to know God better. And I'm here to help you get to know more about what does it mean to follow this guy, Jesus. Uh, that's why I'm here this morning. I want to help you and help, help, what you, uh, help your understanding of God. You know, when it comes to God, some people think God is like an angry person who's just out you know, that, that is really angry with us. Some people think that God is like a judge who um, is just ready to condemn us. Others think about God as like a spiritual policeman in the sky who is just waiting for you to go too fast or, or, or do something wrong to cross the line and then he's going to get you. And some people see God like that. Others see God as like a grand old man. Others see God as, well, he's non-existent. Others won't see God as... He's just, he's lost the plot and he's not terribly interested in what's going on in the world. Lots of people have a different view of God, but there's a man by the name of A.W. Tozer and several years ago, he's, he's, he's a great author and great, great thinker. A.W. Tozer said this, and I, uh, let's have a look at this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a really interesting statement and the reason he says that is because so much of our life the way we live it is about our view of God and I don't know what comes to mind your mind when you think about God but there are two words that come to my mind when I think about God holy love holy love Holy, what's that word? Well, does that mean God's got lots of holes in him? No, it's not that at all. Holy means pure, perfect, whole, otherly, sacred, special. That's who God is. And love, he is full of mercy and compassion and kindness and goodness he is so good. God is holy love. God is holy love. And the thing about God is God invites each and every person on the planet into relationship with him where we can call him our heavenly father. Now, some people, the concept of father is not a good concept because of bad relationship or issues with dad, but God is holy father. Perfect pure, in whom there is nothing wrong, love. And we see in the life of Jesus that Jesus came and the whole reason that Jesus came is because he loves you. He is for you. He cares for you and he taught love and everything he said came from a heart of love and everything he did was a demonstration of love. And so... Um, we're in this series on brand recognition. And uh, 
I want to ask a question. This is not a trick question. But what is this? Some say shovel. Some of you said spade. Yeah, it's a spade and uh, you can call it a shovel as well, but it's a spade. And what do you call a spade? A spade. Got it? We call a spade a spade. And in this, last, in this series, what we've been looking at is a question. We've been asking the question, the question to ask is, not are we Christians, but are we disciples? That's the question that we need to be asking. And the reason for this is the word Christian appears just three times in the, in the Bible. And two, two out of three, even you could say three out of three, it's used as a derogatory term. But the word disciple appears 260 times, uh, more than 260 times. And today I want to call a spade a spade. What is a disciple? We looked at the fact that a disciple, we, people will know that we're disciples by our love for one another. We looked at that a couple of times. But what is a disciple? I want to define that for us this morning. And so a disciple is a surrendered learner. A disciple is a follower, an apprentice, one who, one who doesn't imitate. It's not about imitating, but one who is aligned with in heart and soul and mind and one who is surrendered to their master and one who learns from their master and follows their master. That's what a disciple is. And so um, today we're going to hear from two of Jesus' disciples we're going to hear from Luke and Matthew. They were now Luke wasn't one of the twelve, but he was a disciple in that he followed uh, Jesus um, later on in life. But but and so what I want to do is I want these guys uh, because here's what Luke does. Luke calls a spade a spade because he ref- refers to the teachings of Jesus and what Jesus said, and so does Matthew. Now Luke, Luke was an historian, and Luke wrote. Um, he wrote the book of Luke for a guy called Theophilus. Uh, he was Greek or Gentile, which means that he wasn't a religious type. And so Luke is written for people who aren't religious types. And Luke, as an historian, he carefully investigated things about Jesus and he records three conversations. Remember, conversation before policy or over policy? Sam's been talking about that. Well, here we're going to see conversation and policy all in this little conversation that Jesus has with three different disciples, or these are potential disciples. And I just, I just want to invite you today, fasten your seatbelt, because we're going to look at what does it mean to behave as a disciple of Jesus. Today, um, in Luke 9, 57 to 58, here's the first conversation. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied to him, Look, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, me, I don't even have a place to lay down my head. This is an interesting story. This man is um, enthusiastic. I'll follow you, Jesus. You know, I'll follow you. And he's got great intentions. But Jesus can see right through him and right into his heart. And Jesus can see with this particular guy in this conversation, he can see right through him. And he wants him to see that being a disciple is not what he thinks. And so what a disciple is, as we looked at, it's a, a disciple is a surrendered learner. But here's what surrendered learners do. 
They embrace sacrifice now. This guy didn't understand that to follow Jesus, it wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be a bed of roses. It wasn't going to be cosy and comfortable. It was going to be tough. It was going to be hard to follow Jesus because Jesus, remember Jesus, he said to people, often he would say to his disciples and he'd say to the crowds, if any of you want to come after me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, that's not a popular message today, is it? Taking up a cross, denying yourself and following Jesus. But that's what it would take. A year ago, um, my dad passed away and uh, my dad um, uh, was a great man, lived a great life, a good long life. And he'd been a hard-working farmer. And this photo uh, shows a photo that's taken about 50 years ago, a long time ago, of the land that he um, cleared and planted crops in uh, in order to feed people. And uh, he grew vegetables to feed people and his produce was sent uh, for many years to Sydney and Melbourne. In fact, it's quite possible if you've lived in... if your parents or grandparents have lived in Sydney... Um, over the last 50 years, it's quite possible that they have eaten some of my dad's produce. And so today, I haven't got my dad's produce here because it wouldn't be. But this is the kinds of things that he grew. He grew um, French beans, green beans, and that photo that you saw, or, or, or that's up there, that's all beans. Beans. That's just rows and rows of beans, beans and beans. And then uh, the other thing that my dad grew uh, was pineapples. And who loves a good pineapple? I mean, it's so good in a fruit salad and it's yummy and delish. So uh, that's what my dad did. And he, he was a hardworking farmer. And uh, often those hills, you can see those hills, they're very steep. I mean, the angle of those hills, it's like this. And he would get a horse and a plough to plough those until eventually one day he got a tractor. Um, why do I share that story? Because it sort of leads into this next one. Next, this next conversation it's really interesting. Jesus invites someone to follow. Uh, Jesus then invites someone else to follow. And uh, this man is not enthusiastic, but he's hesitant. Let's look at the next story. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now you think, wow, Jesus, that's a bit harsh. I mean, what's Jesus doing? He's calling a spade a spade. What Jesus is getting at here is, for this man, and what we need to understand with this man who wants to bury his father, there's a couple of things we need to understand. Firstly, we don't even know if the man's father has just died. It's most likely that this man's father was still alive and that this man was waiting for his father to die so he could get the inheritance so that he'd have enough money to support himself so he, he could then go and follow Jesus. We don't know. We don't know. There's a lot we don't know. But what we do know is that this man was hesitant in following Jesus because it, Jesus invited him to follow, but the man said, no, I've got another priority. 
I've got another priority that's more important than following you. And Jesus basically has to help this guy see that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, not only do you need to embrace sacrifice now, but you need to be a person who prioritises God's kingdom first. And what is God's kingdom? Well, we know that the, uh, you know, you know, that word, kingdom, what does that mean? It means to let God be the ruler in your heart. That's where the kingdom starts. For God to be king, him to be number one, CEO, boss, for him to be the number one in your life, in your heart, that's what kingdom, that's where it starts. And, dis- and, and someone, it, it, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a surrendered learner who prioritises God's kingdom. And when he says, let the dead bury their, their own dead, what, what's he talking about? Let, he's saying, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. In other words, work out priorities and make sure that God's kingdom is your first priority. And that's the message to get out. So there's two conversations so far. The first guy is um, enthusiastic. I will follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, actually, no, you don't know what it takes. The other guy, Jesus invites and he's hesitant. And the third guy, well, he's reluctant. In Luke 9, 61 to 62, still another person said, I will follow you, Lord, but first... Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. I mean, it seems like a reasonable thing to say, doesn't it? And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. Now, this man is a family man. Uh, he, he, he loves his family, but he's, he, he struggles with what I believe a lot of people struggle with today. How do you put God first and still love your family? Jesus wants this guy to understand that he has, that Jesus has the authority and the love for us that it, putting him first makes sense and that he is to be put first in our lives. And uh, Jesus sees this guy as a person with backward vision. And so there's a principle in this, in this passage, in this conversation, and uh, here's what it is. Surrendered learners serve God with no regrets. Surrendered learners serve God with no regrets. Jesus tells this story about a man who was ploughing a field. And uh, for my dad, when he ploughed the field, um, there was a couple of ways he did it. He, he did it with a horse and a plough. And the way a, a farmer or a person with a plough would do this is with their strong hand, they would have their strong hand on the plough and push down with their strongest side, push down on the plough. And with their weaker hand, which might have been their left hand, they would have a stick. And they'd use that stick with the cows or the donkey or the horse in front and use that to you know, just guide the horse to the left or to the right. And the reason they would do this is so that as they were ploughing the field, that the rows would be straight. Because Jesus said, no one who puts his hand on the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. And the reason Jesus says this is if you're looking back while you're ploughing, you're going to go all over the shop because you can't see where the, where the horse and plough is going. And it would just be a complete mess. And the field would be a mess. 
Because you're looking back and what's, what Jesus, this is something really, really important, I believe, for all of us here today. So important. Because one of the things that can stop us from being um, surrendered learners to Jesus is if we're always looking back. And looking back to how good things were in the past or, or the good old days or the golden era. And for me, the older I get, the more there is behind And for you, the older you get, the more there is behind. And Jesus is making it really clear. You serve God with no regrets. Don't look back. Look forward to what God has. And this photo that's on the the screen is a a photo my dad took into the water of a dam, uh, you know, many years ago. And you can see these rows were ploughed by horse and plough. And it took a lot of skill to get those rows as straight as they are. I mean, there's a few little wobbly bits there, but it was hard yakka and hard work. And uh, I want to share that with you. And Jesus saying, if you look back, you're not fit for service. Now, Luke, Luke is telling us in these conversations, in these three conversations, he's letting Jesus call a spade a spade of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And then we go to Matthew. Let's have a quick look at Matthew. Matthew, um, Matthew records that Jesus had silenced uh, the Sadducees. They had some questions. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus, uh, they, they gave him quick trick questions and Jesus silenced them with his answers. And then, um, then the Pharisees asked a trick question. They got together and let's have a look at it. Matthew 22. One of them was an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, we've got to understand there are over 600 laws in the Old Testament. So it's a trick question. You know, which one of those 600 is the most important? And then Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. You know, friends, I want to share something really important. God loves your heart. God loves your mind. God loves your soul. And God loves your body. God loves you. He loves you and he loves every person on this planet. He loves every person. And here's the amazing thing about God's love. You think about the moment, there are over 7 billion people in the world. You think, is God's love divided up like a pie chart into all those 7 billion people? Here's the amazing thing about God's amazing love. It's as if you were the only person out of the 7 billion people. And all of the love that he has for the seven billion people is devoted to you. That's how much God loves you. He loves you passionately. He loves everything about you. He, he is so in love for you. And everything he has for you is good. Everything he has for us is, is, is so good. And out of... His amazing love for us, we can then just, the the appropriate response from our heart is to love him with our heart, our soul and mind, our strength. 
Loving God with all we've got is what this is about. And the question to ask today is, what does love for God require of us? I've talked about, I felt it was really important today to look at what is a disciple. That's the brand recognition. You know, we're, we're known for our love, but what is a disciple? We've covered that. And then, so what is love, what, what's love got to do with it? You know, we, we're not going to sing, but, uh, but what has love got to do with it? What, what does it mean? Uh, to, how do we, what does love for God and love for people require of us? Um, if you're a disciple of Jesus, this is the question that we need to ask in relation to our friendships, our decisions, our conversations. Um, and, and for me, it's about with all that I know of who God is, that he is holy and good and that he is love and merciful and compassionate. Uh, and with all that I know about people, People are made in God's image. People are special. People are treasured and special and people are loved by God. With all that we know, what does it look like to love God and love people? I want to share three practical principles uh, for us today um, because these, these, I pray, will be helpful for you. The first one is just a very practical one. Do what honours God and doesn't hurt you. Do what honours God and doesn't hurt you. Now, I'm not talking about don't, you know, do exercise and because <laughs> that can hurt. Um, um, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about don't, don't do what honours God and doesn't hurt you. And um, you see, Jesus, since Jesus gave his life for us on the cross and he gave everything of all he was for you and for me uh, so we could have a relationship with God, because of that, there's this guy called Paul and he wrote a letter to the church. He wrote a letter, he wrote lots of letters, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. But he wrote to the Corinthian church and uh, this, he wrote to them because he wanted them to grasp a very powerful principle for their life. And let's have a look at it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he has given us his Holy Spirit. When we put our trust in Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, God puts his Holy Spirit in us. And our body is described as a temple. A temple is sacred, special, unique. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you to consider and put into practice this very powerful principle of honour God with your body and do not do anything that hurts you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that, that God would live in us? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so for me and for you, what that means is because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in our decisions, in our relationship decisions, in our moral decisions, in our sexual decisions, 
We are to do all we can to honour God and not hurt us. The second powerful principle is, uh, is this one. Do what honours God and does not hurt someone else. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it? Because part of loving ourselves and loving others and loving God is to honour him and not hurt someone else. Because Why? Because every person is someone God loves. And Paul wrote about this to the church at Rome. And uh, Rome was an interesting place 2,000 years ago. And Paul writes to the Christians in, the, at the, at, in Rome and he says this, Let no debt remain outstanding. Now, there's a lot of debt remaining outstanding, isn't there? You know, there's a lot of debt. There's national debt, there's state debt, there's our own credit card debt, our house debt, our business loan debt. There's a lot of debt in the country today. Paul says, let no debt remain except this debt, the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. Love Love God, love people. It's what the law is all about, what God's all about. You see, every one of us here owes something. Even if you don't have credit card debt (laughs) or house debt or business loan debt or car debt or any debt at all, if you don't have any debt at all, you do have this debt. The continuing debt to love one another, to show love and to be a person of love. We are indebted to God and to each other. And the third powerful principle I want to share with you this morning is don't be mastered by anything or anyone other than Jesus. There are a lot of things that are seeking to master us. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world today that seeks to master you, that seeks to control you, that seeks to um, manipulate you, that seeks to have you sucked into its claws and and, and there's a lot of things that are seeking to master you. And I want to invite you today to, to watch out for those things, to look for those things, and to not let anything or anyone master you except Jesus. And uh, there, are two, there are two that I want to share that I think in this area of love can really catch us out. One is fear, the fear of rejection, the fear if we show love will be rejected. And the other is laziness, I just couldn't be bothered. And fear and laziness, if you read, if you want to do some further reading today, read Matthew 25 and you see an example of fear and laziness and how crippling that is to live like that. God's perfect love casts out fear and God's perfect love motivates us to love others. God deals with the fear and deals with the laziness. We need to let his love fill us and overwhelm us. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.